I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Dave, hold the cards fanned out in front of you. Which way? Am I looking at them? Towards, yeah, don't yeah. show them to the camera. Yeah. Hold them towards you can see them. Right. How many cards do you have in your hand? Oh, two, four, six, eight, ten. Five, thirteen. If I name any card, take it out of the deck. Okay. You have an eight of hearts? Go fish. <laughs> your hand? Yes, I do. Crash Take it out. What do I do with it? Just put it down. Is that uh, the left part of your hand? Yes, it is. What, right next to that, the two of spades? Yes, it is. You're looking out at seven of clubs? Yeah, I am. Nine of diamonds? Yes, I am, Kreskin. Uh, I can't get it. It's a club. It's, it's either an eight or a nine. Which is it? Well, you tell me, big shot. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I dropped Kreskin. <laughs> it is an eight of clubs. Uh, Dave, uh, do you have in your hand two kings which are near each other? Yes, I do, Kreskin. Take out the ace of diamonds that's between them. Oh, look at that. How does he do that? Look, there, there they are, right there king, between. King of spades, king of hearts. How yeah. many cards left? All right, they're all out. Uh, we have three left, Kreskin. I'll tell you uh, what. Eight of diamonds. Okay. Three of spades? Uh, y yes. Last of ten? Ten, ten of hearts? Ten of, there it is, ten of hearts. Ten of hearts. Taken from one of his many appearances on Late Night with David Letterman, you're hearing the amazing Kreskin dazzle yet another crowd with his acts of mentalism. Now, not only did Kreskin appear on Letterman and Carson over a hundred times, he's now a return guest to this program. And, fittingly so. After all, between Letterman, Carson, and myself, we have 14 Emmys. All right, let's get the show started. Let me tell you a little bit about the amazing Kreskin. Kreskin was born as George Joseph Kresge in Montclair, New Jersey in 1935. That was the same year Babe Ruth played his final baseball game, Monopoly the board game hit shelves, and Congress accepted FDR's New Deal. Quite an amazing year, which seems, you know, kind of appropriate, since Kresge was soon to have the name Amazing supersede his own birth name. And that new name was how he would be known for, well, pretty much the rest of his life. But as we all know, before one becomes amazing, they have to get through the awkward years of youth. And that's exactly what the pre-amazing Kresge did. Inspired by the comic book exploits of Lee Fox crime-fighting superhero Mandrake the Magician, the young Kresge was utterly transfixed by the idea that one could upend evil with quick-draw hypnotism. Now, in the comic book, Mandrake was a stage magician by trade, but off the clock, he battled gangsters, mad scientists, and dark forces from other dimensions by simply using hypnotism. Well, that's not entirely accurate. He could also turn himself invisible, shapeshift, teleport, and levitate, but hypnotism was the lowest-hanging fruit in that cocktail, and at the tender age of five, Kresge was hooked on the concept. And it was a concept that he would literally never let go. By 14, he was doing two-hour magic and mentalism shows, and by age 16, Kreskin, who was now known as the Great Kreskin, was named by the New York Times as America's youngest hypnotist. So, what does America's youngest hypnotist do next? Take over the world? Catapult to fame? Make millions of dollars? No, no, none of that. At least not yet. Before fame and riches, America's youngest hypnotist first had to go to college. 
Not straying too far from home, Kreskin went to Seton Hall in New Jersey, and he got his bachelor's in psychology and religious studies. And along the way, he dazzled his professors with his aptitude for hypnosis and mentalism. In fact, so dazzled was one of those professors, he let Kreskin teach the class, saying, you know more about hypnosis and ESP than I do. I'll be outside smoking and texting my girlfriend. But apt as Kreskin was at the mental arts, he wasn't great at getting to class. But a bong and video games were not to blame. It took Kreskin eight years to finish college because he was skipping classes to perform in clubs the act he'd been perfecting since grade school. Now, one of the benefits of going to college close to where you grew up and staying there for eight years is that you build up a strong regional following. On the club circuit, Kreskin crushed it. And in the process, he became something of a hometown celebrity. By the time he graduated, two interesting offers came his way. One was from the Mafia, and the other was from Steve Allen. He went with the Steve Allen option. Wise choice. Although Kreskin tripped and fell during his debut on the Steve Allen show, he was a hit. And that appearance was the first of what would be hundreds of appearances for Kreskin on television. Now, before I give you some of Kreskin's career highlights, let me say this. The list I'm about to give you is so endless, if Kreskin had a LinkedIn profile, they'd kick him off because they'd think he was making it up. Okay, here we go. And keep in mind, by the way, this is a partial list. Kreskin has over 500 television appearances, including The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Letterman, The Mike Douglas Show, Merv Griffin, Larry King Live, and The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, where he became the first guest to ever appear three times. He had his own show in the 70s called The Amazing World of Kreskin. He was awarded an honorary doctorate of letters from Seton Hall. He has the largest library of parapsychology books on the planet. He's also written eight books of his own. He played piano at Carnegie Hall. He teaches classes for law enforcement groups. And in 1967, he had a Milton Bradley board game named after him. It was called Kreskin's ESP, and the guy on the cover looked just like Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. And the front of the box teased, Will the mystery pendulum answer your questions about love, career, finance, travel? It was for ages eight and up. And let me just say this. Whoever made it knew nothing about ESP, because if they did, they would have known there is no eight-year-old on the planet who was going to be like, hey, let's play Kreskin's ESP and see what's up with my 401k. And speaking of retirement plans... At age 83, Kreskin doesn't have one. He still plays 300 gigs a year, and he has no plan to slow down. In an age where a 6'5", 250-pound, 24-year-old pitcher is only allowed to throw 100 pitches per game before getting five days rest, Kreskin, well, not only does Kreskin never rest, he never slows down. And why should he? It's been an incredibly winning career, but sometimes it would get a little weird For example, in 2002, Kreskin predicted there would be a mass UFO sighting over Las Vegas on June 6th. That never happened. Thousands of people were disappointed because Kreskin had seemed so certain they were sure it was going to happen. Later on, in an interview, Kreskin said the stunt proved the power of suggestion in a post-9-11 world. (laughs) Okay, well, 
I guess that proves every artist has to make their own version of metal machine music. Totally forgivable. Now keep in mind, the amazing Kreskin is not a magician. He's also not a clairvoyant, a hypnotist, a medium, an occultist, or a psychic who's equipped with powers of telepathy, precognition, or mind control. Kreskin is a mentalist, and a mentalist is someone who can make you think they can do all the things I just told you he can't. However, mentalism is indeed a gift. It's a gift for being able to toy with perception, misdirect attention, and suggest the impossible all for one purpose, to invoke belief. So when a mentalist is done with you, you'll swear they were otherworldly, even though they keep telling you over and over again that they're not. In other words, they're not Jedis, but you're sure that when you were talking to them, they were holding a lightsaber. Now, when it came to deciding which guest we'd go with for our final episode of 2018, I'm happy to say we had a lot of suitors. No need to name names, but let's just say this. I'll be calling back Beyonce in a couple of weeks. But really, it was actually very gratifying to be approached by so many talented people who were offering to close out the year with us. Rest assured, we booked them all for future shows, but I thought, who better to actually tell the future than the amazing Kreskin? Well, at least that was the plan. Kreskin was going to throw a few New Year's predictions our way, but in the end, he really only predicted that in 2019, he'd have a new book out and there would be a biopic about his life. And as you'll hear in our conversation, he's very confident these two things will come true. How does he know? Well, he's already written the book, and he's been reading a draft of the screenplay. So it's a fairly safe bet. But a lack of predictions aside, this is another remarkable chat with a truly remarkable man. Now, every time I interview Kreskin, something weird happens, and this time was no exception. Let me back up a bit. In November, Kreskin posted a picture on social media of him standing in front of what I can only describe as one of the most beautiful headstones I've ever seen. But it was hard to marvel at its beauty because the headstone was his. It says, The Amazing Kreskin, even now, I know what you're thinking. So obviously this was a slightly worrying picture, and his fans were a little concerned. So I asked him about it. And... As soon as I did, he held up a laminated copy of that exact picture. How did he know I was going to ask him about that? I have no idea. He's Kreskin, and he's amazing. So I guess that's the answer. Enjoy this conversation with me and the amazing Kreskin right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. How are you, Alex? Hey, how are you, pal? I've been seeing you for a while. I know you. You were right. We would meet again. When did we last talk? We, let's see. We spoke July. About... July. You know, sometime when I'm in your area, it would be good if we get together again. We must do that, Kreskin. We have to get you into the California warmth. How's the uh, How's the weather where you are? Freezing cold weather here, but I, I know you don't know what that's like out in, in <laughs> well, Jersey. Uh, They've, been, they've now admitted it's a foreign country, but we seem to get along well here anyway. <laughs> well, I told you my father is from the Bronx, so he tells me all the time yeah, uh, right. about the, uh, the cold winters. He says, uh, you don't know what you, you have no idea what winter is being raised in How California. How long have you been out in the San Francisco area? Um, I'm sorry? 
How long have you been out in the San Francisco? Uh, I was born here. So I was born here in 1970. Oh. So I, I'm oh. a native Californian, but raised by New Yorkers. But a native Californian. A native Californian. I, I could tell that you were from outer space. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you know, my father wanted me to ask you about Ricky Jay. He wanted oh, he died. To, he did. I did not know him, but he was a very fine sleight of hand artist. He was a, uh, he, he really epitomized what in the industry and the gaming industry are called mechanics in the sense that his skill with playing cards was so great that, but of course, a lot of people know him uh, as an actor because, uh, and in fact, he was in a movie that were was uh, uh, the great Buck Howard, which was a, a, a character was played by John Malkovich, played me in the movie, a Tom Hanks movie, but and he had a small part there, but he played usually in gangster roles, and that's where people, most of the public, knew him as a. But he was a very, he was a skillful mechanic in the sense that he could walk in, and sit. And a card game where regular cards were being used and played. And uh, if he wanted to, he could clean people out. He didn't do that. He performed. I mean, that's what he did, aside from the movie acting and what have you. That's you. You brought up something rather interesting because uh, uh, only Carson knew about this. And, we, and he was, when he died, it was not another human being alive that knew about this. Fred de Cordova came uh, uh, a month or two later to, and, and attend me see and say, Christ, what the hell was going on? What were you and Johnny doing? We would dare not ask him. Nobody knew. It turns out that uh, he never had anybody in his dressing room. And because I was going to do something with him that dealt with the mind that required an unusual way of thinking, I, I, I said, I need to see Car Johnny before the show. I want to condition his thinking. NBC did not want me to do this because they were afraid about his well-being. And uh, uh, they told me, don't do it. And I agreed not to do it until Carson called me a few weeks later when I was out in, uh, performing at some university. And it was at night in my, dress, my hotel room. He said, I understand NBC told you not to do this. I said, yeah, he said. Then he told me what he thought of NBC. And I, I'm not going to mention anything, Alex, but they were four-letter technical words that are found in certain books, not pornography, but other kinds of <laughs> So he said, Kreskin, we're going to do it. And so I come that, and I did 88 shows with Carson, but I come to the show that day and uh, I'm in my dressing room and a secretary calls me and says, Kreskin, come with me. I said, how have you been? And she didn't answer me. And we're walking towards his dressing room, which I never was in. I said, there's something wrong. And she wouldn't answer me. I said, Please, what, are you okay? She said, Kreskin, he doesn't allow anybody before the show. He never sees anyone. I said, please, he understands I'm going to be there. He trusts me. She says, I believe you, but is everything okay? I said, it's fine. So I saw Johnny walk in. His room looked like a, a like a gambling, a quiet, quiet gambling place because all there was was a round little table in front of him. It had his monologue. That was his passion and his, and his shows. One light over it, a bare bulb. And that the rest of the room, he couldn't see it. So I talked to him. I said, this is the way you're going to concentrate. Don't worry. You will be all right and so forth. And as I'm about to leave, I saw a deck of cards. I said, oh, my God, Johnny. I heard years ago you were a magician. I understand you stunk. It wasn't that you stunk. You were a third-rate magician. He said, I wasn't very good. <laughs> he said, I, I said, no, I'm not known for magic, but I've handled cards my life. Let me show you something. I did something. 
He stood there and he said, you SOB, this can't be done. What did you, I did it again. He says, no. He says, I, what, what did you do? So then I come on the, I come on the show that night and that's the show where I have Johnny stand. Ed McMahon doesn't know what I'm going to do. Doc Severinsen didn't know. We couldn't go to a rehearsal. And I have Johnny stand. I start counting. His eyes close. His body becomes rigid. And I said, Ed, catch Johnny if he falls over. He says, you're down right. I'm going to catch him. They know it. So we, they caught him. And they got two chairs. They put his head and shoulders on one, his feet and the other. Nothing in the middle of him. No support at all. And I said to a lady, come over here. She says, no. She's one of the guests. I said, please come on. She says, no, Kreskin. And last year when I had dinner with her, she says, Kreskin, I thought when you did this with me using him, I'd never be on the show again. I said, it was Bette Midler. I said, come over. And finally, Fred DeCordova said, go over, Bette. She walked over. I said, I want you to sit on him. She says, what? In the middle of him, there was no support. She did lift her legs up, and there she sat. And that picture became the centerfold of Parade magazine all over the world about a month later. When it was all over and she got up and I lift, we lifted Johnny. I said, when I count to five, your muscles will relax. When it was all over, he says, I would have sworn it was a baby. He says, I can't even believe this. But that thing that happened in the dressing room, eight different shows after that, when I was a guest on the show, we went to a commercial. He said, Chris can come over here. The first time I thought, what does he mean? We're not on the air right now. I go to his desk, he pulls the chair and he pulls me, he's sitting under the desk with me. And for eight shows, for an entire commercial period, Carson pulled me under the desk. The cast never saw what happened. None of the guests did. Fred DeCordover never, and they would dare not ask him because he wouldn't discuss it anyway. All he did was put a deck of cards in front of me and said, do that again. <laughs> that's a story that's never been, and someday I'm gonna show what was happening under that table. Wow. So, so my life has been kind of a mysterious, by the way, before things run out and folks, all of you folks listening, I want you, all of you that are watching this to understand, I, I have tremendous respect for Alex, so much so that in order to protect him, I promised him that if I'm ever in the same room with him or on the air in the same room, I would dare not read his thoughts on the air, folks. So understand that. You, you just, and Alex, <laughs> if we can't laugh at ourselves, Alex, we're in gigantic trouble. You That's know? true. That's right. But what I'm excited about is that, uh, and uh, the people that are all sending emails and congratulating me, I appreciate it, all of you folks. But uh, it's just to announce, I've announced it two weeks ago, that a new motion picture has begun production and it's on the life of yours truly. So my life is being made into a motion picture. It's being written by uh, Patrick Coppola and uh, no title to the to the motion picture. I don't even know if anybody can see it. Can you see the, the, I the can see it. Film? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. So isn't that exciting? That is exciting. exciting. Very exciting. And, and on that news alone, 2019 should be a very good year. <laughs> so it's gonna be. Are you looking into the future also? Oh my God! I want to tell you something. I tell you, I, you know what I like, uh, and I, I would, I, I got to only say things I can compliment Alex about. He's a good guy. He's flaky, but he's got a nice personality. <laughs> aren't, aren't those the only interesting? Aren't those the most interesting people, Alex? When you I think, think of, so. by the way, uh, I, uh, with all the political scandal and all the corruption and. 
someone said to me in an interview, they, they say, Christian, that our political picture nationally and state-wise is almost like a, a soap opera. And I, uh, I, uh, I think that uh, we have now drug, the drug picture is being, uh, uh, marijuana is now being uh, allowed in our state and many other states. Unfortunately, it's going to cause, we're going to have more car accidents, but I don't want to go in there. There's now, they already said about eight or 9% increase in accidents in some of the states have already. But I think I, in retrospect, I can see some greater use of marijuana. I think that all the senators and the congressmen should be on marijuana before they go into their meetings. Now, they may not be as productive, but that would be a greater protection. And I'm not against politicians. I want people to understand this. I am not against, I just wish that most of them had been on the Titanic. But aside from that, I, I think we do have an interesting time. And can you imagine how history is going to treat us in the in the years to come, Alex? That's oh. going to be a story itself, huh? Well, I keep waiting. I, you know, in our last conversation, we talked about the McCarthy statement where, oh, yeah, where the they said, right, where he said, "Where's that the was, decency?" That was a separate. And a lot of people today, well, now they understand, but people couldn't imagine that he, you know, many, many. I think I told you uh, in our discussion, many top producers had to write or be involved in movies under an assumed name, right? Because he had literally blackballed. I mean, it was, it was a serious time, but now today. Uh, it's 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 so widespread that I guess I don't want to say we're getting bored with it, but there's not many people left to attack anymore. It's just it's it's becoming a second nature. Uh, other than that, I'm uh, we certainly have a a, a healthy uh, uh, society, especially if we're eating good food and we're not paying attention to what's being said on some of these uh, press conferences. If you know what I mean. That's other right. Wonderful. Well, let me ask you a question about the movie. So, is so you you said name, okay. this uh, is a my true story, my life story. And I, if you come up with a name, I will remember the name. People are suggesting to me who should who should play me, and I, and and Alex, I can't. Uh, that's not within my nature. I can't say you know who should or should not play. People have some strong feelings about certain actors and actors to play me. I don't know if you even want to suggest, but they also. Uh, they they wouldn't ask me about this, but they also are going to have people playing me as a as a kid because I started performing when I was nine, ten, twelve years old, and so they're going to, they're going to do various scenes in my career, and then I've kept this quiet, largely so, in my in my life. But uh, we ought to give something back for our successes. I feel that's that's the philosophy of my life. And uh, look at I mean when you think of great great historical figures like uh, like George Washington. He he, he guided a nation that took a, an intro war and then became president. When they asked him, by the way, to, to run again, he says, no, no, it's time for me to go back to the farm. This is for someone else to do. Because in, the, in those days, it was felt that politics was not going to be a livelihood. It was going to be people that were successful, that were giving something back and going and then going back into regular life. God forbid a person stays in politics for, for 10, 15, 20 years, let alone 30, 40 years, although it would be healthy for organized crime. But aside from that, <laughs> I can be sarcastic in that way. But I, uh, I, uh, I, I really think that, oh, so my, my way of giving back is I've been involved now in 86 crime cases, 86. Uh, I didn't solve all. I don't mean. Don't, I'm not saying I solved everything. About a third of them, I was very, uh, very, very 
helpful, thank God. And because in, in, in some of the cases, people were in violent scenarios where there was almost amnesia or such stress that they could not reconstruct really what happened, even after long interviews. And, and, and some of the cases, uh, believe it or not, were, were off law enforcement people themselves who came to me and I had sessions with them where the details that they did not realize they saw were uncovered. So it's a, and uh, a couple of cases where an attempt was made to murder me and how I handled that. Of course, there are certain people, I will not say they're on my, my uh, being interviewed by, by me now who said, well, why didn't that happen? Couldn't that have been it? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> why would somebody have wanted to murder you? Because in one case, I was uh, walked in on a situation where a professional therapist, psychologist, was about to be murdered by a psychotic. And a psychotic turned on me. And uh, I was going to, the, the therapist, there was blood pouring out of one eye and blood pouring out of one ear. He did live... Uh, I just spoke to his wife a little while. He's gone now. He's a brilliant man. He played an important role in my life. He had such respect for me. And he said, you tell the story anywhere you want. So the, uh, the person who became psychotic, by the way, it was so psychotic that it was a thick wooden desk that I used to sit in front of and talk to Dr. Hansen. And it was cracked down the middle. Well, psychotics, when they flip out, become extremely strong. And, and there's no question that in five minutes, he would have broken the back of, uh, of the psychologist. But he came, he approached me, and uh, in interviews, people have asked me, how did you figure out what to do? Well, if we can learn from military men and women who fought wars, you don't analyze when you're being attacked by an enemy. You don't time. If you do that, you're dead. You have to be so well-trained that you think unconsciously of what to do because it's not a kind where you're, you're, you know, you're trailing a killer or a, a robber, what have you, you're being attacked. And uh, in the case of this person who was literally within 12 inches of me, four minutes later, he was sitting on the floor with me playing with his dog that he had as a pet 30 years ago. I created a hallucination and he saw the dog there and in the time that, that the uh, help came from authorities, he was playing with this dog that I had created a hallucination in his mind. So you had subdued him through mentalism. But, but, but by doing it, by, by uncovering a detail in his life that was extremely peaceful and secure, an earlier time where he loved this animal and you could see how he was literally on the floor caressing and there was no nothing there. So the mind's an interesting phenomenon, Alex, I'll tell you. It's amazing you were able to reverse that violent tide in, in with such speed. Well, that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Hansen understood this and psychologists do. I can't give you the sequence of events. The truth of the matter is, and thank God I, I was so experienced in my work and my career that I was able to tap in at that moment, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, a few years ago in uh, New York, uh, Fox had me, well, they've had me for a couple of years, but they had me on Broadway uh, New Year's Eve as a special guest. And uh, they thought they, they, they thought this would be interesting. It's the coming new year and what have you. 
and I, there were a couple of dozen college students around, but the police had cordoned everybody off. And I said, you know what, can you gentlemen let some of these students over here, and some were from the States, some were from India, they, but they, they understood English and so forth. I said, can you give me, I said to the, to the, to the head of the news department that was outside on, can you give me five and a half minutes? He says, go ahead, Chris, can you run with it? It was extremely cold. It was extremely uncomfortable. The concrete is something you would not have wanted to sit on. But I spelled my name twice. The second time I spelled my name, 12 to 18 of those students were lying on the ground, helpless and could not move. Some couldn't even raise their arms. The, one of the, the reporter kept saying, you're okay, aren't you? It never, they said, I can't move my arm. I said, you got to talk to these two gals here. And she said, well, how are you gals feeling? They had lost their voice. I had so paralyzed them. Wow. And the, the worst conditions, coldness. So, so if, I'm, if I do it with someone that's on a, on a on a picture on a screen some distance away in San Francisco, folks, that would be an experience. No, I'm all, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. If got, goes I, quiet. I, I, so my life's been like it. So the, the movie's exciting, isn't it? It, it's just it really that, is. Just, and you know, so, you were mentioning that the screenplay is written by a Coppola. I'm assuming that that's a relation. Well, not not directly related, but uh, man, the man has done a number of movies, and uh, and uh, you should see what he's he's uh, excited because he's uncovering some of the crime sides of it and so forth. I think that would be, it would be a, an interesting experience that I've not had. I would love to meet a certain audience because I've, I've worked with college students. I've worked with, uh, I've worked with a whole, uh, audiences don't speak my language in Japan because my series was seen there. I had an interpreter there. I worked with uh, people who are on in years. I worked with, with people all walks of life. I, I haven't worked with all uh, gangsters, or uh, but I, I, early in my career, they tried to entice me to become a dealer at private gangs because people didn't know me then. It'd be interesting. And I've worked in mental institutions as a, uh, to help in, in certain things. Talking about mental, mental institutions, I'd like to spend time, maybe just an hour, tuning on the thoughts in a mass group of something I don't, I don't think has been studied except by serious psychiatrists, and that's all of Congress. <laughs> oh, further remark. Did my sarcasm come across to you? Yes, right I think, I think not, be, I think, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you what. The problem with Congress is they're all afraid. That's what that's you're going to find a good dose of fear right. inside their minds. The funny, the funny thing is, you're, what you're saying is true. There's a fear. There's there, especially now uh, with. Uh, Shades coming down every which way. I mean, everybody has. Uh, we won't go into it right now, but it's a it's a different lifestyle. There's going to be. By the way, you know what? Talk about uh, biographies and so forth. No question. Uh, it won't be now. Maybe we won't be around when it happens. But some very wise writer is going to collaborate with someone else and put a a whole scenario together on this this certain period of history because they made a movie on Senator McCarthy. I mean, it's a, it's a very good one, by the way. Yeah. And now they've done it on, uh, on the Kennedy family, uh, which is, and I, this is nothing personal, this is nothing personal malicious, but you folks, uh, he was a very fine actor, a very good actor. And I didn't know any better, but when you hear the story of one of the members of the Kennedy family who married in the family, Peter Lawford, 
you're going to hear a story that will, will make some of the stories of the underworld and everything look like amateur night. It's an unbelievable story. We'll go into that now. <laughs> I could, you know, but by the way, yeah, and I, and I, but I, I, there is taste in my work, so I dare not tune into Alex's thoughts, folks. I want you to know that, right? I just <laughs> won't be, I won't go beyond this. Hey, listen, you know, you, you're a very fine person to work. You're you're a good guy, and and let's keep in touch because when the movie, my my book comes out, I got to discuss the book with you because that's got a slant on it that's kind of unique. Okay, when is the book coming out officially? That's not going to be until after the first of the year, but we can, not until maybe February, but we can talk around the first of the year and so forth and discuss what's going on because you know that uh, things don't stand still in, 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 in history right now. In fact, you got to no. keep track of things, I'll tell you. Here's my take. I think the reason why I asked you about Coppola is because I think Jason Schwartzman, who is Francis oh. Coppola's nephew, would play yes. a great Kreskin. You say the name again. So Jason Schwartzman, he is Francis oh, Coppola's nephew. Why did you mention? Why did you mention? Him? I think he would. I think he would play you. I think he'd be fantastic. It's interesting because his name came up once. Come on. In this couple of months. I. You haven't taught. You don't know anybody involved in this movie project. No. No. Not no. <laughs> uh, Listen, I'm the thought reader. I'm the mental, but that's a that's very, very interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. And I, to be continued. Well, I mean, I can say, I, unless people at home are thinking I, that I have some powers, I don't. I was just putting together that Schwartzman is related to the Coppolas, and I think he'd yeah. be a fantastic. But it's interesting his name came up. It's a very, would you guess any other name that came up? I, just curious, I, think, right? I think that Rami Malek, who just played Freddie Mercury, could also yeah. play a great Kreskin. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's going to be exciting, and I, I have a lot to be thankful for. And I want to tell you, and I say it again, my career really has been an adventure. It's, it's an, oh, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. One more thing. This yeah. is, I have announced. Don't get upset now. <laughs> I, said, I have announced, finally announced my retirement, and I intend to retire 10 days after I pass away. <laughs> Wait, now, speaking of that, I want to ask you something. Oh, speaking of that. Speaking of that, you posted a picture a couple of months ago, and it was a beautiful picture of this of, headstone. Of the, of the stone. Yeah, and I think I think it freaked people out. Uh, yeah, they, 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 but you know something? Uh, I wanted to have fun with it because, uh, and you folks can go on my webpage too as well. I had designed this years ago. One person knew. Uh, about just a handful. One person knew what was going to be on. He says, I give you my word, Kreskin. I will not tell anyone. He says, what a one lighter that would be. It was Johnny Carson. He kept it secret all these years because when I finally decided I'm going to, for Halloween, introduce and show it, it, when you get close to it, it has on it, even now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Is that not perfect? It's perfect. It's, and it's, I even got here a picture of that stone there right there, you know, there, there it is. But yeah. even now, Carson loved it. He wanted on his stone, I'll be right back, because of course he was in broadcasting and, you know, after before commercials, I'm gonna be right back. But he, uh, Merv Griffin had decided he wanted that. I don't know if Griffin ever used it because, again, Carson was cremated anyway, but Carson just, but he says, Creston, you're the only one who has the right to use that phrase because it fits you. Even now, I know what you're thinking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you people so were very—I mean, people were very freaked out when you posted that. Yeah, no, 
I know. But I'm listen. I'm, I'm fine. And uh, although I, I got to, uh, and I hope the listeners will read between the lines. Sometime when I'm interviewed by certain people, there may be a slight disturbance in my thing. But it's not you. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you the best. The best thing I ever saw, or I ever heard uh, for a gravestone is uh, Jonathan Katz, who plays Doctor Katz. He's a he's yeah. a comedian, and he yes, said yeah. he wants his headstone to say Jonathan Katz. Uh, brother, son, father, also available at jonathancats.com. <laughs> That's great. That's, you know, each of those are like like my own because as being a thought reader, with the implications of it, uh, uh, it, 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 it just, I, when something fits that naturally, it's too bad Carson couldn't have used I'll Be Right Back because that would be perfect for a talk show men because you do that with every that's a line you use with every commercial you know but anyway oh by the way one more thing before we go and you folks watching you have a computer so you can do this or have your youngsters do this with all the controversy about the wall being built built and some towns being filled with outsiders that are breaking down some of the culture and the wall being built and the arguments about it and when I see some of the people in your part of the country and the we business advocating not having the wall but no wall at all do yourself a favor all of you watching me I'm not going to mention any names look up some of the most successful people in the movie and TV industry and look at the overhead shots by planes or helicopters of their homes and then think those hypocrites the size of the walls around their homes and you know what i'm talking about my and i'm not i'm not saying we should or should not have a wall but they're the ones say no wall no wall but they just <laughs> don't have a wall that for health they don't want insects to come in and obviously mosquitoes and what have you i love you know what i find one of the most amusing things in life and some comedians are mastered at it is man's contradictions he can say one thing but if you search well enough there's the other side. You know what I'm saying? Well, didn't, didn't Walt Whitman say, do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, those, you know, those, the, the wisdom of those, those writers. There's a writer we need right today. And when I bring his name up, and it was before your time and before my time also, but he would have been, and that was Will Rogers. Yeah. Will Rogers was a cowboy who wrote a small paragraph column every day for years. And everyone in the United States, my family, my folks, those that didn't speak English, someone to re, I would re tell them in their language what it said, because he had a he had an outlook about society, not pontificating, not know it all, but he just knew how to touch people. He died in a plane crash that while he post uh, they were flying. He he loved to be, be a pilot, and that was it. But people like that are special, and they're part of history. Listen, I'm going to see you again, and. In the spirit of broadcasting, and by the way, I predict this, folks, that when I see Alex again, he will be sober, so don't worry. <laughs> I do not want to. <laughs> I Preston, don't want to start rumors. Can you, you, uh, can you offer Happy something? Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And can you can you say something? Are you an optimistic guy with the New Year yeah. coming? And Yes. Yes, I am. I am optimistic. But there's going to be uh, a difficult period with a lot of younger people. And adjusting to meeting new people because, and I warned you about this before, they spent too much time on this cell phone. 
and and U.S. sociology, if you ever interview, they'll say Kreskin is saying what's true. People are not relating as closely as they once did because they've lost the habit of it. And relating is a habit. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Take care. All right. We'll talk again about your book and movie. Take care. All right. Take care. Good. It was a good interview. We had a good time. And I love it when you chuckle. That makes me feel good. (laughs) I can make up for a certain person that works for me. I don't want to mention my road man because, no, he's a good guy. (laughs) That's great. See you now. Hey, happy new year, pal. Happy new year. Happy new year. Take care. He's one of my favorite guys to talk to, that Kreskin. Uh, If you want more information on his book, his movie, his tour dates, go to his website, amazingkreskin.com. And if you want information about me, go to my website, alexgreenonline.com. Now, unlike Kreskin, there's no movie coming out about my life, but here's the funny thing. Jason Schwartzman could play Kreskin, or he could play me. Do some Googling, you'll, uh, you'll see what I mean. I think I may have surprised Kreskin with my Jason Schwartzman reference. That seemed to throw him off for a second. I... I think I may have actually, uh, you know, upended the great mentalist just for a second. I bested him just for one brief moment. Um, but I am no mentalist. I think that's pretty obvious. I'm just a radio host, and I could use your help. If on your travels you find yourself in the iTunes neck of the woods, a rating and, uh, you know, a review would go a long way. Not only does it help the program, it also helps my fragile ego. Now, if you want to get in touch with me, please do so. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com or on Twitter at EmbersEditor or on Instagram, EmbersPodcast. Now, if you have a request for a guest on the program, please use that email address. It doesn't matter if the person's never been here before or they have. I will go after them uh, with a lot of vigor, and I'll do my best to get them on the show. All right. Oh, and don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is also available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. All right. That's the end of all the businessy stuff we had to take care of. I'll be back next year, which sounds a long way away, but it's only seven days. 2019 should be big for our show. We have some great guests already booked, and we're flirting with some others. So uh, we should have some big news very soon. Now, because Kreskin is perhaps the greatest mentalist to ever walk this planet, one might say he has the magic touch, I thought it only appropriate to end the show with Gold and Silver's track, Magic Touch. Okay? Thank you, as always, for your support, and I'll see you next week, right here, on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Oh, my love lost her diamond touch I Lost her emerald eyes For she is falling from my clutch But the strange thing is It comes as no surprise Tonight I felt it go for good
the pennies and the pounds won't buy it back When my love comes round she's always dressed in black Oh the penny 